Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. Dave Walker, and on today's podcast, we're going to give a quick update on the health status of both teams, look at some of the key matchups going in, and give our prediction for how this one may play out on Sunday. With that, let's start with our home team, the Atlanta Falcons, and their injury status. And the good news is, obviously, week one, you're not expecting a lot of injuries, but I think the Baltimore Ravens have shown us that you cannot make that assumption anymore going into even just week one. But thankfully, the Falcons are not in the same boat. Uh, They only had one player uh, who was even on the uh, injury report this week uh, for actual injury reasons, and that was linebacker Brandon Copeland uh, with a hamstring. He was limited uh, for most of this week. Uh, Expect him to potentially play, but right now uh, he's the only person listed. Uh, Grady Jarrett didn't participate on uh, Thursday due to uh, non-injury related, so personal matter for him. Now, the Eagles are in a little bit of a different spot. They've got several guys on their injury report. Uh, Guard Brandon Brooks, he's their starting right guard uh, with a knee injury, is limited, been limited all week. Um, Offensive lineman Landon Dickerson, uh, who is not expected to be a starter, uh, their draft pick, also out with a knee injury, uh, limited participation. Uh, This is where things get interesting, and there were some hints, and I'll get to this in a second, that this player may not make it on Sunday, and that is safety Rodney McLeod. He is one of their better safeties, uh, also with a knee injury, uh, limited participant all week. And normally going in, you would think with a limited participation, these guys are probably going to play. But the interesting thing with McLeod is uh, former uh, uh, Detroit Lions cornerback and uh, Darius Slay basically hinted that uh, he didn't think McLeod was going to make the season opener against the Falcons. So that is definitely something to watch. If uh, McLeod goes into this game questionable uh, then uh, or a game-time decision, there's a good chance he may not make it, and that could really bode well for the Falcons' tight ends and for the receivers uh, without one of their best uh, coverage safeties in the back end of the defense. And finally, uh, linebacker Davion Taylor with a calf injury was limited as well. Okay, let's get into some of the key matchups going into this game. Uh, and I want to advise ahead of time, these stats are provided by PFF. Uh, lean on them extensively for some of the articles. Uh, so when it comes to player grades, I'm going to look at uh, how PFF has ranked these players, not just last season, but over time to assess their overall quality coming into this game. So let's start with the Falcons offense going up against this Philadelphia Eagles defense. 
This one obviously is all about the trenches. We've talked about this previously on the podcast. Uh, we talk about this, it seems like, almost every single year. And this the story hasn't changed here. Uh, right now, there are a lot of question marks on the Falcons' offensive line. Uh, the two sort of stalwarts that we know we can count on, uh, Jake Matthews at left tackle, uh, Chris Lindstrom at right guard, not a lot of concern there, but then you've got three other guys with serious question marks. Uh, let's start on the right side with Caleb McGarry. Uh, he, again, missed some portion of camp with injury. Uh, he is back to that starting position, but more by default. You know, we've got guys there. Uh, Matt Gono is injured, uh, starting off on the pup list. He will not return for at least six weeks. Um, and Jason Spriggs is a, a, a good run blocker, but uh, is not going to cut it as a pass blocker. Um, especially going up against someone like Brandon Graham uh, with the Eagles. So McGarry has got some question marks. He was inconsistent last year. I think this year he really needs to prove himself, or he could be at risk. Uh, even later this season, if we do get someone like Gono back, uh, he could be at risk at losing that starting position if he cannot become a more consistent player at right tackle. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if the third year is a leap year for him where he jumps forward in performance. Otherwise, this could be a long season for the Falcons' offensive line if he can't hold down the right side. Now, at center, Matt Hennessy is entering his second year. Obviously, what games he played in last year, he did not look great. But coming into camp, uh, there was a lot of talk that Hennessy uh, looked uh, in much better shape. And I know, I know, that's a, it's a trope that's played out every single year. But I do think it's telling that um, Drew Dahlman, the Falcons' uh, drafted center this year, really never competed to be the, the starter at center. And I don't know if that is an indication that Dahlman just isn't ready, which is entirely possible as a rookie, or that Hennessy has the position locked up. It sounds like it's a mix of both. So there may be some reason to be optimistic that Hennessy is making a leap forward in year two. We simply haven't seen him this preseason. Uh, he's had very, very few snaps, so there's nothing really to base any of that off of, except that the coaching staff didn't feel like he needed playing time this preseason to get ready. So hopefully that's a good sign that Arthur Smith and the offensive line coaches uh, are very comfortable with Hennessy at center. He's going to get tested, that's for sure. Uh, and then at left guard, rookie Jalen Mayfield is stepping in as Josh Andrews you know, broke his hand uh, in the first week of practice. Uh, Andrews will not be back at least for three weeks uh, due to the IR rules. But right now, uh, Mayfield gets the shot. Now, Andrews did not inspire a lot of confidence at left guard to begin with. Uh, so Mayfield, you know, hopefully he'll surprise us. And honestly, if you're going to get poor performance out of the left guard position, I would rather get a rookie in there, let him get his uh, shot and learn, you know, take those lumps and bruises uh, and learn along the way as opposed to a veteran who's never cut it in the league. Uh, so who are they going against? Well, uh, if you've listened to the other uh, podcasts we had this week and uh, speaking with uh, Kyle Bennett from the Eagles, uh, this is one of the best uh, defensive fronts they're going to see. Obviously, it starts in the middle with Fletcher Cox. Uh, he is criminally underrated, one of the best defensive tackles uh, in the league pretty consistently. And yeah, the Falcons actually did a fairly good job the last time they faced off against Fletcher Cox. I'm hoping they can repeat that performance this year. Uh, it remains to be seen. And, and they did that with you know some inexperience as well the last time uh, we faced off against the Eagles. So there is some reason to be optimistic that uh, you know, we can somewhat neutralize Fletcher Cox, but he's not alone. And uh, on the opposite side, you know, you've got uh, an up and coming player in Javon Hargrave. 
who had a really strong 2019, fell off a little bit in 2020, uh, but again, another really good interior pass rusher. Uh, so it, it's not just Cox. It's Cox and Hargrave uh, you know, challenging the, those three guys in the middle, Mayfield, Hennessy, and Lindstrom. It remains to be seen how much the Falcons scheme around that or try to protect uh, you know Matt Ryan and, and get the running game going, but these are quality players in the middle of their defensive line. And on the outside, you know Brandon Graham, he is on the the wrong side of thirty. He is uh, thirty three, will be thirty four uh, next year, uh, but he is consistently one of the highest graded defenders for the Eagles. He is a very good, consistent pass rusher. He's not going to blow you away. Uh, he's not a guy that's going to get 16, 18 sacks, uh, anything of that sort, but he is regularly getting you you know, 7 to 10 sacks every single season, the kind of production I think Falcons fans would have killed for over the past five, six, seven years. And he was a player that I wanted them to target several years ago and looked like the uh, Eagles may be moving on from him. Smartly, they've kept him around. He is a very good pass rusher, uh, really just an overall good defender, uh, and he will probably line up across from McGarry, which again raises some concerns. Um, Derek Barnett, uh, their first round pick from 2017 has not quite lived up to the billing there. Uh, he's a decent, uh, player. <laughs> Funny enough, his coverage grade is better than the rest of his grades. I don't know what to make of that. Uh, but he is a player again to, to pay attention to because he does have, uh, some pass rushing ability, but again, it hasn't quite lived up to that. And then Ryan Kerrigan, they've got him in the rotational role. This is a guy who's been a pass rusher for many years in the league and has been a quality one. Uh, so the Eagles have a lot of depth on this defensive line. And honestly, if you're, if you're going to go into this game concerned, it's this matchup that should concern you. Uh, the Falcons offensive line has a lot of question marks. And I'm not saying these guys won't pan out. McGarry could certainly take a leap forward. Hennessy could certainly take a leap forward. Mayfield could you know, suddenly be you know, much better at guard than we anticipated. All of that could happen, but that would require three players all simultaneously making big leaps forward at the same time against a very formidable defensive front for the first time playing together. That's a big ask. Now, Arthur Smith, to his credit, last year in Tennessee um, had to overcome a lot of offensive line injuries, particularly at left tackle, where at one point he did have Tyson Breo playing left tackle, and they still fielded a top offense. So there's reason to believe that he can do something similar here. So even if the Falcons' offensive line struggles, perhaps Arthur Smith can work around that, find ways uh, to get players uh, out in space and get them the ball to make plays. Uh, this is really, I think, going to be a good sort of first indication of what Arthur Smith is going to do, not just as a head coach to prepare his players, to coach them up, to, to try to lift their quality of play, but also as a fun, an offensive coordinator on Sunday. We'll see how he schemes around this. All right, moving away from the trenches, let's talk about the receivers, the tight ends, the running backs, and of course, Matt Ryan. Uh, let's start at the top with Matt Ryan. I think this is a game where he's normally a slow starter every season, um, with very few exceptions. Uh, even in the 2016 season, if you go back and look, that first game against Tampa Bay was painful. Uh, he was off target. Uh, it was not a good game for him. The the cries for uh, Shanahan to be fired intensified after that week one loss. And this week, do I expect him to be better? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, I think what we have heard in camp is that he and uh, Coach Arthur Smith have a really good connection. Uh, I think Ryan is much more familiar with the passing concepts uh, coming in as opposed to you know when they started off in 2015 with Shanahan for the first time. And I think Ryan is at a place in his career where 
he has a lot more experience. It's easy to forget this, but back in 2015, uh, when Shanahan came in for the first time, you know, Ryan had been in the league for seven years, but, you know, he's essentially at double that. This is his 14th season going in. Um, and that is a hell of a resume. And if you look at what he did between 2015 and 2018, before they brought back Dirk Cutter, when they were still leaning on, you know, more of those West Coast principles, even with um, Steve Sarkeesian as the offensive coordinator, Ryan was absolutely tearing it up. Even in 2018, when the Falcons had a you know terrible record, his stats and uh, were were very close to what he did in 2016. Um, and even though the 2017 stats uh, were not quite as strong, if you go back and look at that season, he had a, a ridiculous number of turnovers that were tipped balls or you know balls that bounced off the backside of a defensive back. It was ridiculous. It was also Sarkeesian's first time as an offensive coordinator in the NFL. So do I feel like Ryan's going to be better in this game? Yes, but I still think there's going to be some issues in the early going. Um but this collection of weapons, let's talk about them. This this could be where you know the Falcons maybe can overwhelm some opponents uh, this year, uh, and that is without Julio Jones. I know everyone is saying, "Oh, well, you know, think of what we could we could have done with Julio Jones here." And honestly, I don't think Julio was going to be here even past this season. Um, if he was in in Atlanta for 2021, it was almost a foregone conclusion he was going to be gone in 2022. Um, and Ridley at some point was going to have to step forward and be wide receiver one, and it's happening this year. And to be honest, I think Ridley is ready to be one of the top receivers in the league. He's not going to be the guy. There are a lot of good receivers right now in the NFL, but can he be a legitimate um, wide receiver one that worries defensive coordinators? I think so. His route running is phenomenal. Um, He is someone that's developed quite the rapport now with Matt Ryan. You can tell Ryan trusts him uh, implicitly. You know, he, he put together a 13, 1,400-yard season last year after missing some games, playing injured, uh, and without Julio Jones on the field for you know a portion of that. And I, I think you can't undersell the, the step forward that Ridley could really take this year. I think he's going to become uh, a fantasy darling, and I think he's going to be one of those players that is going to just um, take another big step forward for the Falcons this year. Russell Gage, I think there's a lot of potential there. But I, I do think he is a little bit more limited in what he can do as a receiver. But that said, the guy has absolutely killed it as a former six-round pick that was brought in for special teams. Uh, and he's wide receiver too now. And he had over 700 yards last year. I think he is primed for a, a really good season. I don't know if he's going to stay in Atlanta. I think he may be good enough that he'll get a bigger contract elsewhere. Um, but this year, he, uh, you know, his his emergence could be very critical. And if it's if he doesn't turn into a true wide receiver too, I don't think it's going to matter as much because the tight ends here, Hayden Hurst and of course Kyle Pitts, I think offer uh, really what Arthur Smith is wanting to do with this offense. He he used those two tight end sets so much in Tennessee, more than any offensive coordinator in the league in 2020, and. While we're all talking about Kyle Pitts and his potential, and yes, this guy has the potential really to be an absolute freak at the position. Uh, he has stats and measurables that rival Calvin Johnson, and that's you know people bring up that comparison, and uh, we don't think he's going to be Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson was a once in a lifetime type of receiver, but Pitts has the tools to be really special. I don't think he's going to deliver on all of that this year. I think he is a guy who is you know primed for. Six, seven hundred yards, maybe, maybe a little bit north of that. And some of you are going to think that's disappointing. That would be a monster rookie season for a tight end. 
Um, and I would be more than happy with that. The player I think is going to benefit the most here is Hayden Hurst. Um, with Calvin Ridley on the field, Russell Gage on the field, Kyle Pitts on the field, Hayden Hurst is going to get a lot of favorable matchups. And I think it's going to start this Sunday, in fact, uh, with the Eagles. Uh, and then finally, you know, the Falcons in the backfield, they've got Mike Davis. We'll see how he uh, works out as a starting back. I've got a lot of optimism. The guy was really good, not just as a runner last year, but also as a receiver. Uh, he was uh, one of the top weapons uh, in the receiving game uh, for Caroline last year. And Corderell Patterson, they have cemented that he is running back too. And he offers a really intriguing uh, look, you know, bigger guy, really fast, explosive once the ball is in his hands. I'd be very curious to see how they use Patterson this year. I think Arthur Smith's going to get really creative with what he does. Smith actually didn't use Derrick Henry and the other running backs much in the passing game in Tennessee. Uh, they were like fifth, sixth, seventh on uh, targets last year for, for the Titans. I think that's going to change in Atlanta. I think Davis and Patterson are going to get a lot of receptions this year. I think it's going to surprise some people. And this is an area where I think the Falcons are going to uh, go off script from what uh, was done with Tennessee. Uh, I'm really optimistic about these weapons. I think they're going to be used in incredibly creative ways. And again, Hurst is sort of my dark horse to have a monster year, contract year, a guy that showed last year he has you know good physical ability. And I think he's just going to see some really favorable matchups. Now, for the Eagles, at corner, they've got veteran Darius Slay, uh, who was a quality player. He had a rough 2020, um, as did all of the Eagles, but uh, I expect him to bounce back. Uh, he is a good quality player. Now, he is on the wrong side of the 30 wall, so maybe you know the, the dip in play in the past couple of years has been an indication of that. Um, but from 2015 to 2018, he was a really good corner, one of the top corners in the league. Um, on the opposite side of him, uh, Steven Nelson, again, a, a decent enough corner. He's sort of a, a solid veteran uh, that you can count on. Uh, I think he will be decent enough for them, but uh, if he matches up against Ridley, I'm taking Ridley all day long. Uh, if he matches up against Gage, I feel like Gage also has the potential to win that matchup because of the fact that uh, he's incredibly shifty and, and really has the ability to uh, make uh, defenders miss and, and shed them. Now, if the Eagles are without Rodney McLeod, which looks like it is more and more possible, um, that's going to put um, Kayvon Wallace on the field and uh, at safety. And he is a former, he was a fourth round pick from 2020, uh, rough first year. Uh, and I think that is going to be where the safeties uh, are going to be a problem for the Eagles. Uh, opposite him, Anthony Harris has been a really good player in the past. 2020 was off, but you know, prior to that, this guy was you know one of the top safeties in the league for a few years. Um, but Hurst, Pitts, this could be a really favorable matchup. And if you look at the linebackers, this is a weakness, I think, for uh, this Philadelphia Eagles team, the linebacking core. And this is where I think Davis and Patterson could have an impact. And if you think about one of the best ways to counteract a, a really fierce pass rush, it's going to be with uh, using your running backs, those dump-off passes, those quick outs. Uh, and certainly, if you've got Patterson back there and you can get him the ball in space really quickly against some linebackers who going to have a hard time keeping up with him, that could be a big element of this game. And, and it's something I think we might see. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out on Sunday. But yeah, the Eagles, uh, their defenders, their linebackers, Eric Wilson, um, uh, you've got uh, Jannard Avery, and of course, uh, Alex Singleton. These are guys that, you know, by PFF, none of them are particularly inspiring. They're not terrible, but uh, if you're looking for guys that excel in coverage at linebacker, this isn't them. Um, these are guys that uh, seem to be a little bit better in run defense, 
but they don't have a Deion Jones or a Foyo Luakona or a Michael Walker on that side of the D. And this, I think, is where the Falcons could really exploit the middle of the field. Again, the tight ends, the running backs, I think, are going to be a big factor here. Um, even though the corners, I think, are decent enough, I do think you know if Ryan can get enough time, uh, we could see Ridley engage both, uh, you know, get several targets. But I actually think this will be a game where we see uh, Hayden Hurst, Kyle Pitts, and the running backs featured a little bit more than the wide receivers. And I think that's how Atlanta is going to win this game. Uh, is it's going to be through those secondary weapons, which really in in a, an Arthur Smith offense is a little bit of a misnomer. He loves those tight ends, and I think he's going to use them to great effect. So let's talk about the other side of the ball, how the Falcons' defense is going to match up against this Philadelphia offense. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And we're back on the podcast. This is David Walker. We're looking at the Falcons versus Eagles, the key matchups, and, of course, our prediction going into this first game of the 2021 NFL season. Uh, first game's in Atlanta. This one should be interesting. All right, let's talk about the Eagles' offense. This one, again, let's start in the trenches. The Eagles lost their longtime stalwart left tackle, Jason Peters. Uh, he, he went to a different team. Uh, but they sort of stumbled into what could potentially be a good uh, starting left tackle for them for the future in Jordan Mailata. Uh, he came in last year as a 2018 seventh-round draft pick, uh, originally drafted to play on the defensive side of the ball, uh, and last year really finished the year strong at left tackle and has given them a lot of hope that uh, he could be the f- their future there. So, uh, you know, I don't want to crown him yet as a great left tackle, uh, but the potential looks like it's there. At minimum, he played well in 2020. Uh, this could be where the Falcons could try to exploit him a little bit. He's a bigger guy, uh, 346 pounds, according to PFF. So maybe Dante Fowler tries to use his speed to get around him. Uh, that remains to be seen. Now, in, on the other side, you know, Lane Johnson, uh, it feels like he's been in the league forever. Uh, he, was, he came out in 2013, really top-notch uh, right tackle for most of his time in the league. A uh, little bit of dip in performance last year, some injuries and whatnot that obviously uh, hampered him uh, and kept him out for the back half of the season. Uh, but again, a quality right tackle. Hopefully he's back to, to full health if you're an Eagles fan. Um, and then on the inside, Brandon Brooks at right guard. Um, right now, it's unclear. You know, he missed all of 2020. Uh, it's unclear if he's going to be ready to go for this game. He was one of the the players on the injury report. 
if they have a backup there, again, that could be a spot that the Falcons target with someone like Grady Jarrett, uh, with Bullard, to try to get some interior push and to, to disrupt Hurts. And of course, we know that Dean Pease likes to blitz. He likes that A-gap blitz, especially with the linebackers and the safeties. Um, that could be an area where they try to attack up the middle of the, this offensive line. Uh, Jason Kelsey, what can you say about this guy? He's been a phenomenal center for his entire career, but he's almost 34 years old. Now, uh, Alex Mack played, you know, into his mid-30s at a high level. Uh, Kelsey did see a little bit of a dip in performance last year. Uh, how much of that was the coaching staff? Uh, probably enough that, you know, I would co- feel comfortable saying, yeah, Kelsey's still a quality starter. But this, again, is something to keep an eye on. Uh, I do think he's probably going to return to form this year. Uh, they do have, I think, a, a better offensive-minded coach heading the team now. Uh, we'll see if it makes the difference, but Kelsey is uh, has been, for almost his entire career, one of the best centers in the league. Uh, and then at left guard, uh, Isaac Sumalu. Uh, he is a player that, uh, again, decent enough, not necessarily going to blow your socks off. Uh, missed some time as well last year, uh, and you know we'll see if he's fully healthy. So in the past, the Eagles have had a really dominant offensive line. I think they have the potential to be that this year. But they need guys to be healthy, like Brooks, like Kelsey, like Johnson. Um, Mylotta needs to continue that level of performance that he showed uh, at the end of last year, maybe take a step forward. Um, But I think there are enough question marks here on the offensive line, sort of like with the Falcons, except I I think this is a much better unit than what the Falcons are putting out right now. Um, But they've got some age here, and I, I do think there are some opportunities for someone like Grady Jarrett to disrupt the middle of that line. Um, you know, and really, when we're talking about the Falcons' defensive line, it's pretty much Grady Jarrett and a bunch of guys. Um, I do think Jonathan Bullard has the potential to be you know, a decent player this year. Uh, he looked good in the preseason. Whether or not that carries forward, you know, this guy came out in 2016 as a third-round pick, and he's been sort of just average, although his pass rush grade uh, does indicate he can get to the quarterback, according to PFF. So we'll see if he can deliver on that here in Atlanta. Um, so those are the two guys I'm going to watch on the Falcons defensive line. Uh, and of course, you know, the Falcons outside linebackers, I do think, and a lot of people have said this, and I think there is reason to be optimistic. I think Dante Fowler is going to have a bounce back season. Um, what he did, you know, two years ago with the Rams, with Aaron Donald on the field. Well, you know, Aaron Donald is a once in a lifetime talent, but Grady Jarrett's a really good guy at pressuring up the middle in the way that Aaron Donald did. I also think... Fowler is going to be schemed better under veteran defensive coordinator Dean Pease, who I think is going to be the big sort of uh, changing factor for this Falcons defense this year. Now, as for the guys on the opposite side of Fowler, right now it looks like it's going to be Tuioti Mariner, uh, potentially Stephen Means. These are decent enough guys. I don't think either of these guys is going to be you know up there for eight or nine sacks. Maybe a handful of sacks between the two of them. Uh, really, the, the wild card here is Adedekumbu Ogundeji and what this fifth-round draft pick can do. He's looked really good in camp. The Falcons seem to be really high on him. He was getting first-team snaps in the preseason. Uh, I'm not sure if he's going to play a lot or not. We'll, we'll see how that plays out, but it looks like he has some potential. Um, it'll be interesting to see how many snaps he gets once the actual game starts. Uh, let's talk about what the Eagles have uh, in talent outside of the trenches. Now, Jalen Hurts to be clear, was second to last in PFF grades in 2020. Now, he inherited a terrible situation with uh, what happened with Carson Wentz and that whole fiasco. 
the coaching staff, obviously, that they moved on from. Uh, it sounds like Philadelphia is really confident in what Hurts is going to do this year. He is a very athletic quarterback. I think he's got the the athletic talent to be successful. Uh, but if you've watched any tape of Hurts, he is just a half second behind on his reads. And in the NFL, that is a lifetime of difference. Um, he regularly would hitch his passes where uh, he had just that brief half a second, you know, even a quarter of a second of hesitation. And those hesitations are the difference between a completed pass and an interception in the NFL. Um, now, do I think he can overcome that? Yes, absolutely. Will he overcome that instantly as the starter in you know this first game of this season? I think that's a big question mark. And I think Dean Pease is going to try to scheme up as, as much pressure as possible. Now, this is where things could get dangerous for the Falcons. Uh, if you try to go after Hertz repeatedly, uh, he also has the ability to to move and you know could get out into space and really cause some damage. And I'm sure Dean Pease knows that. He, he's, he's not new to this game. Um, so there will be some mix of trying to uh, confuse the offensive line, as Dean Pease clarified. You're really trying to confuse the guys in the trenches uh, as to what assignments are to you know, make sure you can get those blitzes and make them effective. Um, and you know, really for the quarterback, I, I think they're going to try to repeatedly get pressure on him without exposing themselves to the big runs. And it's going to be a tall ask. And this is going to put a lot on both Foyer Luakon and Deion Jones uh, to be able to cover you know, that space where uh, Hertz could get out in the space and do some damage with his legs. Um, but the weapons, Philadelphia has some good weapons as well, at least weapons with potential. Um, the tight end position, in a very similar fashion, they've got two guys that are uh, quality uh, tight ends, Zach Ertz, the veteran. You know, a little bit of a, a dip last year, but man, this guy has been you know one of the best receiving tight ends for his time in the league. Uh, Dallas Goddard, who when they drafted him uh, back in 2018, a lot of people thought, okay, this is going to be the guy to take over for Ertz in a few years. It's kind of a lot of people thought the Eagles were going to move on from Ertz this year. The fact that they kept him is kind of surprising. Uh, you've got to wonder if that maybe irks Dallas Goddard a little bit, who thought he was going to emerge as tight end one in 2021. Um, this will be his fourth season. This is a uh, contract year for him. Uh, and it remains to be seen what they do. You know, the, the, will they give a contract extension to Ertz, um, who is, you know, going to turn 31 this year? Uh, or will they finally sort of commit to making Goddard the future at the tight end position? Regardless, they have both of them right now. They're both really good weapons at the tight end position. Now, receiver, uh, Devonta Smith, um, who is uh, you know out of Alabama. We all know how good Alabama receivers tend to be. Their first round pick this year. Um, we don't know what to expect from him, except that obviously he's incredibly talented. A slight, you know, smaller guy uh, as far as his stature. You know, he's he's tall enough, but 175 pounds at six foot one. He's uh, hopefully the wind doesn't blow him off the field. Uh, but again, a, a, another sort of really big investment for the Eagles to try to build this offense for the future. We'll see how that pans out. And again, rookie wide receivers tend to struggle in year one. Even Julio Jones uh, didn't have a big season initially. Uh, so this is something to watch and what he can do his, in his very first NFL game. Now, on the other side of Smith is <laughs> yet another first round first round, uh, pardon me, first round wide receiver in Jalen Rager. He was their first round pick from 2020 out of TCU. Um, funny enough, he's shorter, but weighs more. He's uh, five foot 11, 195 pounds. 
uh, understandably had a you know struggle as a rookie. Uh, I think they're expecting him to take a leap forward this year. And you know, again, another fast receiver, a guy that could you know potentially stretch the Falcons' defense on Sunday, um, as long as these guys are you know ready to go. Uh, and you know they've got they've also got uh, Quez Watkins at the slot, uh, who is again another fast receiver, um, a little bit slight, six foot two, hundred ninety pounds. Uh, remains to be seen if he's ready to also take a step forward. As he was drafted again in 2020, so the Eagles have three really fast receivers, um, all of whom were drafted either last year or this year, and that's if you're starting a, an offense with a new quarterback and you're giving him weapons uh, like this, that could be a challenge in the first game. You know, these guys don't have a lot of time on the field together. They don't have the the timing uh, down in the way that Matt Ryan would with Russell Gage, with Calvin Ridley, um, and that could cause some issues for their offense. Now, you know, these are fast guys, so they could potentially just win on pure athleticism. So if you look at a guy like A.J. Terrell and Fabian Moreau on the outside and then Isaiah Oliver in the slot— you know, Terrell, I think everyone has big expectations for. I think he, he's going to play well in this game. Uh, I think he's going up against, you know, a top-notch uh, receiver from a physical standpoint, but Terrell has shown he can do that. You know, Terrell has had to cover Calvin Ridley in camp. I think that's going to have prepared him well. Moreau, I think, is, you know, a quality enough corner. We'll see how he matches up, you know, either against Smith or against Rager uh, or Watkins. And obviously, Isaiah Oliver stands to be the, you know, the the issue uh, of the, the, these three corners and, and could be the one that's a little bit more concerning. Um, so this is a matchup that almost sees a push where there is some potential for the Eagles uh, you know, to surprise a lot of people and have these receivers sort of all go off as really young receivers with very little you know, real game time with, uh, with Hertz. Uh, but you know, this is where the, the first game can be you know, very unpredictable. Um, the, the Philadelphia uh, Eagles have it running back. Uh, Miles Sanders, and you know he's he's a quality runner. Really struggled um, as a receiver uh, the past several years, so he's not going to offer a ton in the re- the receiving game. So I don't think you have major concerns there. And honestly, PFF has him graded like 54th out of 70, so he's not like this absolutely dominant running back. I think he's you know he's decent enough, and and they've uh, got some faith in him that he can take another step forward here in his third year. Um, and obviously, you know, you look at the back end of the Falcons defense and you've got arguably the strongest uh, position group on the defense is the, the linebackers with, you know, Deion Jones and Foye Luokun and then Michael Walker as a backup behind them. Uh, I think these two guys are going to do really well against, um, you know, players like Sanders and maybe even in coverage against some of the tight ends like Ertz and, and Goddard. Um, and then the safety position, you know, Daron Harmon, Eric Harris, they're veterans. They've been here before. I think that will help. Neither guy is actually like, really super inspiring. Um, they're decent enough players. I think Harmon is the better of the two. What will be interesting is to see if they run some big nickel sets and try to get players like Richie Grant, Jalen uh, uh, Hawkins out there to see if they could take advantage of some of their athleticism. Uh, even though those guys are still very young, you know, with uh, Grant being the draft pick this year and Hawkins coming out last year. But I think we may see them in some big, you know, big nickel and dime sets. Uh, where instead of just having Isaiah Oliver out there, you may bring in some of these safeties to get them some time on the field. And that could be interesting. That could be uh, something where those guys are asked to take on, you know, one of the tight ends. And, you know, how will they do in that sort of uh, situation? 
Uh, or it could be that they're brought in you know, for purposes of dropping the coverage while other guys blitz, or they could be part of the blitz packages, as we saw with you know, Jalen Hawkins in the preseason. As it stands, this entire matchup, right now, because you know, even though as Falcons fans, we have a lot of faith in Dean Pease, and I certainly do. I think he's going to be you know, one of the best pickups for the Falcons this year. Um, the, the concern is that this defense uh, does not have hardly any time together in this new scheme. And that could cause some, you know, first time foibles. And on the opposite side, the Eagles are coming in essentially with a brand new starter at quarterback. You know, Hertz did start the last several games of last season. Um, they've got a lot of young uh, wide receivers with a ton of potential, but quite haven't delivered on it yet. Um, they've got an offensive line that has all the pieces that could be good, but they have some injury concerns and some age concerns. Uh, and then they've got the tight ends who, you know, Zach Ertz is, uh, again, a really good quality tight end, but as he passed his prime, and then Goddard, I think, is a legitimate uh, receiving weapon. This feels like it's a push. I, I feel like uh, Pease is going to have the ability uh, to, to pressure Hertz to get to him, you know, to force him into some uh, bad situations, to make some bad decisions, uh, potentially take care, take advantage of some of the question marks on the offensive line, even though I think this is an overall pretty good unit. Uh, I do think Dean Pease is going to come into this game with a very specific game plan. Uh, and the guy's been doing this for so long. I think you know we should have some faith that he is going to do things a little bit better, but I do think there are going to be hiccups along the way. All right. Where do I think this thing is going to go? Now, uh, with all that said, the Philadelphia defensive line does concern me, but I think Arthur Smith is a much better play caller He's worked around offensive line issues in the past and still fielded a good offense in, in, in Tennessee. And I think he'll do the same here. I don't think that they're going to completely shut down the Eagles, the Eagles defensive line, but the Eagles have some serious question marks in their secondary and at linebacker. And I think they're absolutely going to exploit that. Um, I think, as I said earlier, I think the tight ends uh, will be a big factor in this game, as well as the running backs. I think we're going to see, you know, the running backs used a good bit, not just as runners, but in space, especially uh, Cordero Patterson. I think he could be a dark horse for having a big afternoon on Sunday. Um, as for the Falcons defense, I think they'll do just enough in this first go round. I think this is a unit that will improve over the year, but I think there's going to be some hiccups uh, because Dean Pease does demand a lot from all of the guys in the secondary, linebackers, uh, corners, and safeties, and it may take some time for them to get used to the assignments and what they need to do on the field. With all that said, my prediction is Falcons will win this one a little bit more narrow than I think what fans would like to see, but I think they're going to win this one 24-21 with the tight ends and running backs for the Falcons being sort of the... uh, the differentiator in this game and this is uh, honestly I was not as nervous about this game before I feel like this one has the potential to be really close and I'm going to look lean into that. All right guys uh, if you have any questions or comments obviously uh, you can find me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW you can find updates for this podcast at FalcoholicPod and of course our articles daily at Falcoholic.com Thanks for tuning in talk to you next time What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. 
Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.